Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Naked and Inside Out. I'm Cynthia Katera, joined with my partner in crime, Janine Toro. Naked and Inside Out is an LGBT podcast highlighting people in the community doing incredible things with their lives and career. And we're here to share their stories with you and to provide a source of inspiration for our listeners. So today's episode, we're talking to Michael Belkin, who is on the Forbes list of 30 under 30, and the creator of the social LGBT app called Distinct. We're interviewing via Skype from NYC to San Fran today while we're under attack from the Nor'eastern Jonas. <laughs> so, Michael, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Great to be here. It's such a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, I came across this app several months ago, and I'm absolutely obsessed with the visibility and the connection it provides for the community. So can you start us off with, you know, like kind of walking us through how you got started with making the app and a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. The personal and the business story. Well, like I grew up in the Bay Area, so I've always kind of been into technology and and Silicon Valley innovation and startups. So I got the ideas for doing Distinct when I was getting ready to go off to business school. So I was working at a tech job in L.A. at the time. And like whereas I grew up sort of through the first dot-com crash and tech had been really unpopular for a while, as I was going back to business school in 2010, tech was starting to pick up and it was cool again. I was like, oh, this is interesting. Like, what, what ideas do I have and what perspectives do I have on the, the world, the business community, commerce or anything that I could maybe turn into an, an interesting enterprise? So, you know, I had come out a couple of years before that and that was, a, you know, really a critical issue, obviously, in my life. So I... And I looked around and my observation was that, in my opinion, gay people rely on technology much more than other demographics to Mm -hmm. connect and meet in person. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whereas like a straight person can just randomly walk into someone at a party or a wedding or, you know, see someone in class and, and talk to them. You know, gay people like in the 80s relied on telephone lines and in the 90s relied on chat rooms and in the 2000s relied on apps and that kind of thing. So I thought, well, here's a group that really needs technology and has actually very specific needs for it that are different than straight people, but they seem to be very underserved. Like a lot of the things that I had seen were just not super well designed or built in someone's spare time. So I started with a very, very broad premise of just let's build really great technology that solves the needs of gay people. And so that was like the the very broad beginning of everything. And from there, we've sort of arrived at where we are right now through, you know, um, market research, trying things out and, you know, adjusting to what the the market told us and what was valuable to people. So I can dig a little deeper into that second part of it, but that's like the the broad, the broad beginning. Why don't you tell our listeners what distinct is like? Give us your elevator pitch for, you know, explaining <laughs> what the app is. I have so many. I <laughs> test them. Your <laughs> yeah, favorite one. I tell them what it is. I tell a different story. Uh, no. Um, so I'll, I'll say distinct is the world's largest and most active network of LGBT youth. So you can kind of think of it as like Facebook meets Reddit, but for gay teenagers. And though it's focused on LGBT youth, it is for gay people of all ages. Okay, and good. Of course, I, I was yes, going to yes. ask, I mean, I'm, I'm on it. I think it's fantastic. But, you know, like, what would you say is 
the medium age of people using the app? It's about 16. Okay. Yeah. That's why I was wondering, it, I, which I noticed, which is fine. But I'm like, oh, I wonder if I'm like that old, like creepy, creepy lesbian. Yeah. That's not <laughs> it. I'm just kidding. No, no, not at all. Um, <laughs> so did you intentionally target that demographic, the younger 16, you know, younger children or teens, I guess they're not really children. Yeah. Good word. Adolescence. Yeah. So did, when you built this, did you target that demographic? So initially we didn't, uh, initially, like I had done a survey of different social networking opportunities and how real life interaction mirrors virtual interaction. And we came up with something that was almost more like, um, gay four square. And the original premise was like finding events and things to do and places to go and sort of getting like the gay layer on a place. Like if you go there, who are the gay people checked in? What do gay people say about it? That kind of thing. And, you know, so we, we wanted to, like, at one level, just be an actual social infrastructure for the gay community, because that didn't exist, right? It was all dating sites or, like, news blog articles mm-hmm. or, you know, blogs. And, um, and so we're like, well, let's build some social infrastructure. And then the, the places and events sounded interesting. How we got to youth is kind of like a, an interesting story. Um, it was I, like, I try and post hoc take a lot of credit for coming up with this brilliant strategy, but really it was just kind of like uh, a set of circumstances and um, knowing when to kind of like go with things. Yeah. But basically what happened was when our app was initially approved by Apple, they put it in the category of the other gay apps, which were all 17 plus because they were like adult dating apps basically. Mm-hmm. And so we pushed back on this. I was like, there's nothing fundamentally different about this app than Foursquare, which has, you know, all these other apps. So why is it just because there's the letters LGBT in the title? And, you know, like through the appeal process, we got approved through for the next lowest down from 17 plus, which was 12 plus. So we had, yeah, so we, you know, became the first and I think only LGBT social app on iTunes that's, that's rated 12 plus. And as part of our launch, like our launch was about all these different things. And we planned this whole, um, you know, initiative around gay chefs and and issues of sexuality and different professions and, and all this thing. But the day before our launch was supposed to come out, um, I had added this one line to our press release that we're the first LGBT social operated 12 plus and um, CNET called our publicist and really wanted to write a story just about the 12 plus. And the publicist was like, do you think we should do this? And I said, I don't know what you think. She said, yeah. So we did it. And um, <laughs> that ended up going crazy. So like awesome. CNET writes this article uh, there's a, now a gay app for 12 year olds or something like that. Wow. Like a very sensationalized headline. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then because it was so sensationalized, every news meet outlet picked it up and, you know, like Huffington Post picked it up and all the gay press picked it up. Then the Christian blogging community started picking it up <laughs> <laughs> and encouraging people to pick at Apple because Apple has created this app to indoctrinate our young people into the homosexual agenda and um, it's like that. So it really kind of blew up on us. And, you know, our original, my original response was that, you know, like the movie Avatar is rated PG-13. And this doesn't mean that it's an app for 13-year-old, a movie for 13-year-olds. It just means the content is suitable for people 13 plus. And that's, that's what our, our app is as well. But whether it was just through that press or 
um, through just, you know, the people who found out about our app. As people started using it, we realized we were seeing a lot of usage from young people. Yeah. And yeah. And, and, and also post hoc, like the, the use case now seems pretty clear. And it's something we didn't initially realize when we were when we were ideating. And so uh, the average coming out age has been going down every year. And in the past, like maybe five years or so, it's dipped into now teenage years and high school years. Mm -hmm. So I think the statistic I have is that in 1999, the average age was 25 to come out. And in 2010, it was 16. And it's now probably even younger than that. So I came out when I was 19 in college. And in college, I was able to go to the LGBT groups in my Mm -hmm. school and I was able to go to the 18 and up place at the gay, 18 and up night at the gay bars. Yeah. And you know, I had a car, you know, you get the yeah. city. and so I had all these ways to sort of get connected to the gay community that way. Mm-hmm. But if you come out and you're 15 years old and you're in high school, yeah. you know, there may or may not be one or a few other gay kids in your school. You probably ignore them for some really weird reason we can maybe get into. And, you know, and, <laughs> You know, like can't go to a bar. You probably don't have a car. Like, and so there's this new group of gay youth yeah. that are excited about their sexuality or to express themselves and are want to join the community, but they really don't have a lot of outlets or a mm-hmm. lot of other people to talk to. And so that just turned out to be a really powerful use case. That was one that our our users believed in, and one that we personally believed in very much. And so we started to adjust the offering more towards that demographic. Yeah, I think it's so cool. It's like one of, you know, the hopeful things I have about our youth today is the acceptance and, you know, like with the internet, the visibility, you know, like all the YouTube stars that are out there that are open about their sexualities. And I think it's good. I mean, like I didn't come out till later in my life, but definitely, you know, at 15, 16, I was feeling these things. And, you know, like I'm from like central Ohio where, you know, like the presence of gay individuals isn't really out there. So it's like, I, I don't have anybody to talk to and the internet kind of was just starting then. And, you know, it's like, if this app is something like I had access to at that age, I think I would have come to like realization of my sexuality sooner or, you know, it has that connection and it's incredible. I mean, like I, I go on there all the time and I had my passion project was like offering advice to these teenagers that it's incredible the stuff that they're going through. And I actually, it's crazy because I guess at that time I kind of like put my sexuality at rest, you know, and I was just like, whatever, an average teenager, but like the shit you have to go through even then is so hard and it's so crazy. And then to add like another layer of whatever that other, I don't know, high schools are going to label you, high schoolers are going to label you based on your sexuality. I mean, that's a whole nother thing that you have to deal with. And I think it's so great, like the support and feedback that all of the users are giving to one another. It's such a great support system. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, like w- when I came out, one of the things that helped me become more, at least comfortable with it, for lack of a better term, 
was meeting other gay people. And so like we, you know, being gay is kind of weird because it's a community that you are kind of born into, but you're not raised in, right. Or most people are not raised in. So I'm also Jewish and, but like, you know, um, and I'm part of the Jewish community and identify with the Jewish community, but my parents are Jewish as well. And I went to Hebrew school and I went to synagogue and we celebrated the holidays from a little kid. And so I had a real idea of what Jewish people were like, what it's like to be part of that community and what the community cares about. But being gay, it's sort of like, one day I was saying, no, I'm not gay. I'm not going to come out. And then the next day, like my therapist had convinced me to come out and I was like, okay, (laughs) all of a sudden in like a week, I am now part of this community and part of this movement. And I don't know much about the community except, you know, mostly sensationalized or negative things I've heard about it at that time. And it really was through like having gay friends that I really became came into my sexuality. And I think it's the same thing for straight people too. I, they, I think they call this the Portman effect where there was that Senator who was anti-gay and then his son came out and now he's like pro gay rights because he knows a gay person and other people who know him are like, Oh, well if the Senator's son, like he's a normal kid, he came out, you know, um, he's not like a disco dancing friend of Dorothy. And so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, that's from Clueless. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> I missed that one. I'm going to watch it tonight. Uh, he's a Streisand ticket holding disco dancing front of Dorothy, yeah. I think. <laughs> so, uh, so, so, yeah, I think that that's what else is really important about this is that these gay teens get to talk to other gay teens and get to see like what they care about. And, you know, uh, I I would say half of the stuff on distinct is really serious. And it's like people dealing with issues of gender identity or coming out or um, questions about how to like be gay in a straight world and all of that. And then half or more of it is just like Nicki Minaj gifs. And (laughs) so it's really this place for, yeah, like, like support, but also just expressing yourself and being, fun and that's like the social interaction that you know if they went to an all gay high school or something they may have organically but can we create that yeah Yeah. (laughs) i kind of like that can we create like an lgbt high school (laughs) yeah only lgbt allowed oh my god you can teach yes i'll teach fashion no Um, i've launched the course you're not cool enough Can you kind of talk about like the different categories that exist? It's really interesting. Like when you go to, when, wait, the home screen, you have like an all, like an all access feed. And then there's mm-hmm. something about like the categories about. Yeah, they're everything. like broken down into different topics, basically. Yeah. So I sort of, I mentioned like Facebook and Reddit. And so for people who don't use Reddit, you know, it's, it's kind of like the most popular articles on the internet in a sense. And then there are different subreddits, like different categories like gaming and technology and that kind of thing. So our app, we have, uh, different topics, right? Like, uh, gender issues, um, gay issues, lesbian issues coming out, you know, uh, hetero relations, I think is one of them. So things like that, and people can post in those and they can um, like it like on Facebook, but they can also dislike it if it's a, if it's not as supportive of a post. Mm -hmm. And so through that, analyzing the up and down votes of the different posts and the comment activity, we also put together like a ranking of popularity and that's also pretty Reddit-esque. So in addition to the individualized topics, we have the main feed. 
And the main feed is an aggregation of all of the most popular posts across the topics. And people can also post not in a topic. You can just yeah. say, like, it's raining outside and we don't have to have a weather topic, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, so the feed is kind of just, like, everything that's going on in the gay community and what people on the app are talking about and getting connected to that. And then the topics are a way to sort of dig deeper into a particular subject. Yeah, my favorite ones are the coming out and... I like I like and dislike the depression and suicide one. I mean, it's definitely like a heavier topic, but I don't know. I think it's it's a great aspect and topic that you include in the app because I think it's really important and I think it's really common for any adolescent to feel that way. So I those are yeah, or, those or are anyone dealing yeah. with sexuality really yeah. like. Or they don't feel like they have that resource, but now they sort of have an outlet. Right. So I've also seen a really interesting use case on that one where people who are like a little bit down themselves go onto that group and then they see people having what in their evaluation is an even harder time with it. Mm -hmm. And therefore they start supporting that person and like telling them it's going to be all right. Yeah. And in a way that makes them feel better as well. Like, you know, coaching someone through something or getting perspective on it. So I thought that was really interesting when I saw some of the posts on that one. Me too. It's when I, when I go on and like, that's, I go to the coming out one and then like the depression and suicide one to like offer the best advice I can. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I feel like those are the most like crucial. Yeah. How do, do you know how most of the, your users find your app? Like, is it word of mouth? Is it just through, do you have any idea? You know, it's one of the things about apps is you don't get a ton of insight into this. Yeah. Like on websites, you can see the whole referral chain to something. Mm-hmm. But on the app store, we just sort of know like someone got to our app page on iTunes. Yeah. And um, so it's not totally clear but i would say that you know um we do have some press around gay youth and you know even just that cnet thing like that articles around i I do hear a lot of our members just saying that they tell people in their school about it or they tell their gsa or they tell their friends or maybe you know they someone talks to uh someone on a different network like kick or whatever and they recommend it so i have a feeling that a lot of it is kind of that word of mouth thing Why call it distinct? Where did that come from? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There isn't like this profound meaning to it. You know, spelling is interesting also. I mean, I don't know if that has specific meaning or. Well, it's a distinct way of writing the word distinct. Distinct. Okay. yeah. (laughs) And, um, (laughs) And, you know, really where I started with it is that I wanted a name that was esoteric in a sense, mm-hmm. like known to people who know it. Yeah. And so it's not explicitly gay. It's not called like the rainbow connection. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that, like if you're, if you know it and you're a gay teen or you're part of the network and someone mentions it, you're like, Oh, I know what that is. And yeah. you, and I have this like special thing cause we know what that is. And so therefore like you could talk about it. And so I wanted a word that was, I, don't, I want a word that wasn't male or female. I wanted a word that wasn't gay or straight. Something that sort of embodied like ideals about the gay community. And I think part of coming out 
is also like realizing your distinct individuality and, you know, your distinct place in society and all those things. So it seemed to just be like a word that fit. And and I also liked that it was like a shorter domain name and we got the .tt and all of that. So Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I like also too that sexuality can be a very distinct thing person to person and it's, it leaves it open-ended to, okay, yeah, I'm genderqueer and this, or, you know, like, there's so many like really great and new terms out there today, which is fantastic because I mean, labels suck and we're all, <laughs> we're all different, but I think that leaves it open to like, I am distinct. I am me. I am who I am. I think that's right. really cool. And in a sense, gay people have almost a unique license to be distinct in our society. I've talked to, um, I was talking once with like a really successful gay person and I was asking him, like, he's not super out. And I was like, how has being gay affected, you know, your professional development and what you've done? And he said, well, it's, it's not like it had a, a huge impact because I was like, had gay friends who connected me or anything like that. But what it was for him was that he didn't have to conform to abide by the sort of like heteronormative rules that society had put out for him. Mm-hmm. So when he was in New York, if he was a, a, gay, a straight man who was in his late 20s in New York working on Wall Street, he would be expected to like have a girlfriend or a wife and then he would have to buy a house and then he would have to like buy jewelry and you would have this like whole lifestyle that was set out for him. Almost, yeah. you know? <laughs> and because he was gay, he could just be like, well, I'm not part of that. So therefore, I'm just going to do whatever I want and I'm going to do these different things and I don't have these confines, right? And so in a sense, that's also a part of it, I guess. Yeah. Can you talk about, um, you kind of touched on some of the negative feedback you received for the app, but can you talk about some of the positive feedback? Like, have people reached out to you and given you that positive reinforcement? Yeah, I mean, that's really been one of the most rewarding things of this is that we get pretty regularly either you know posts or messages or reviews from people that say that this had a really big impact on them or this app helped them come out or this app helped them through like really tough time in their life and that's super 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 rewarding cool. you know yeah i mean a startup is so much work like yeah <laughs> they'll say it's so much work and then you'll imagine how much it is and then you'll multiply that by 10 <laughs> I'm horrible at math, but it sounds like a lot. Yeah. And so so it's like having some sort of motivation that's a very fundamental motivation, I think, is really important part to like maintaining passion for a startup idea. And the way that this has helped people is definitely that for me. Did you know you always wanted to have some type of business or did, I know you said you were going to business school, but like, did you have an intention like, oh, you know, one day a goal of mine is to open a business or have a startup and, or is it something that kind of just happened? You had this idea and then you went full force with it. Yeah. I I mean, I, I, I do feel like I've always wanted to have a business. Um, I, maybe that was just the context I grew up in. Like my, my dad was an entrepreneur and my uncle was an entrepreneur and my grandfather was an entrepreneur. And like, I really liked it. Um, and I used to talk with my dad when I was like in elementary school about his company and the, and the stock market and all these <laughs> things. It was like really nerdy. <laughs> and, um, at, but you know, like really what I 
what I like the most is just building things. And I, I say it's building things that have an impact on a large number of people. And by impact, like in, it doesn't necessarily mean like I'm solving world hunger, but it's that I'm having a positive change. I'm, I'm causing a positive change in people's everyday life. Yeah. And, and that's how I define it. And so that's really satisfying to like, if I can come up with an idea or an innovative way to do something or to finance something and have a positive effect on people's everyday life, like that's really cool to me. Like and so that's, yeah. It's crazy. Like how many people, like how many lives have you touched? I think that's so incredible. And I don't know, it's so impactful. Yeah. Must, I don't know. It must make you feel warm inside. It makes me feel warm inside. And like, I don't even it think it's an obligation to work harder. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Well when, Cynthia, well, when Cynthia told me about the app, I was like, get out of here. So it's like, let me check it out. You know, I go in and, and I'm log trying it. to remember where I might have read that article. I was reading something. I don't know if it was in a magazine, but it probably was online. And I'm thinking it could have been that article. And I was like, oh, what's this? Because I have looked on Apple, like LGBT apps or gay, lesbian, whatever. And it's all dating, 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 dating. And there's like nothing of a lot of substance. There was that one, it was like a gay community and you actually had to like pay for it. I think it was like $3. I was like, well, whatever. I want to see what it's about. And like, they, they have like, kind of like a whole, like they have a page about like community or whatever, but it's specifically geared towards men. So I'm like, oh, okay, well, whatever. Yeah. I, I wanted to see what it, I wanted to see what it was about. Yeah. Um, but Put you know, your like just photo. Well, no, no. <laughs> but there's like, you know, like there's nothing really out there besides dating apps. I feel like for the LGBT community, or I just don't know about it. Yeah. Well, but I think what differs about distinct is that it has that younger audience, which I think is so crucial. Mm-hmm. And you, all these topics, right? They're topics that you can relate to. Mm-hmm. So that's what, you know, when Cynthia first showed me the app, I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. I'm like, I wish I had this when I was a teen because, okay, yeah, it's like, for, I mean, I don't know if it depends on where you grow up. I don't know what it is, but it's just, to me, this app, you could be living in Iowa or you can be living in New York and you can connect with somebody and you can relate to them. And that Even I feel is Australia, so Australia, there's people all yeah. over the world. Yeah. I, it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. One of the other cute things on it, or not just cute, but also really cool, is that <laughs> it's used equally by men and women. Yeah. And true. I'm pretty sure we're also the only network, like gay network, that's that way. They seem to be siloed as either gay men yeah. or lesbian. Yeah. And, I, you know, it's it's something that I didn't expect. And in fact, when we designed the the infrastructure for it, we kind of allowed you to very specifically filter, like only show me gay men or only show me lesbian women. And we kind of set the default so that when a, like a girl signs up, she sees girls and she has the option to see other people. But I don't know if it's just like this generation is different than our generation, but the, the gays and lesbians seem to really get along. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, they're really supportive. Yeah. It's like, so, you know, I'm very optimistic on it. It's really nice. You know, they're just all there for each other. Yeah. What would you say is one advice your adult self would give to your younger self? <laughs> <laughs> You're so not supposed to pull out the hard that's ones. That's a hard yet. one. <laughs> I would say um, 
have a plan for everything, but know that that plan is probably not going to work out and to be open to those changes. Yeah. You know, so I think that that's kind of how I've tried to, to do things recently. And in a, in a way that's actually how distinct was started, right? We had a certain plan and it wasn't necessarily the plan we ended up with now. And we were open to changes along the way. And now we came to something that is, is like pretty good. So um, I, you know, I, I think in high school, I was really obsessed with like, oh, this is going to be my career and this is going to be my friend circle. And this is what that's going to be. And I like planned out my whole life, you know, it was in video. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess, do you, where do you see, I guess the future of the LGBT, LGBT community just going like we were talking about how this younger generation is more, you know, lesbians and gays are more friendly. And like, there's all these other letters being added to LGBT. Where do you see the LGBT LGBT like in the next five years? This is really interesting. And, you know, five years, five years, I'll probably say it'll be pretty similar to what it is now would be my guess, but how it's going to evolve 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, I think is a really, really interesting question. Because what we're seeing now is that now that it's kind of accepted to be gay, you know, gay is becoming more mainstream. In a sense, like I was thinking about this the other day, like if I randomly met a Jewish person in public, I wouldn't be like, oh, my God, I'm your friend. Like, let's talk. Right? <laughs> like, oh, that's cool. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, but like if I met a gay person, I, I don't know if I'm alone on this, but I would instantly feel like a certain affinity to the person. Right. Yeah. And I think maybe some of that affinity is because we both went through a very difficult experience growing up of identity, of understanding ourselves, of accepting ourselves, of joining this community. And the fact that this person is now grown up and, you know, identifying as gay really says that they came through that and we share that bond together. And so, you know, as the, as the process of coming out becomes less sort of intense, and I wonder if that affinity will still be there as strongly and if there will be such a need for a gay-specific community. I mean, I live in Castro in San Francisco, and it's I live on, like, the gayest corner of the gayest city in the world. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so great. It's like a homonormative environment. Like, you can assume everyone is gay here, and that's fantastic, but... I, I bet you like places like that aren't going to really exist as much in the future. Maybe they exist in a few pockets because now being gay is just one part of your identity. Maybe it's more like how I described being Jewish before, you know, it's an important part of my identity and I care about it and I'm involved in the com Jewish community and I do the Jewish holidays, but it's not like if I started a company, I don't know if I would have started a Jewish company. You know what I mean? Yeah. I started a Yeah. Well, we were saying, we went to North Carolina in the new year to visit one of my friends and she lives in like an artsy community. It's called Noda. And we were surprised like how like centralized. Yeah. The gay community, the community is was. there, but you know, like she was saying, even outside of Noda, it's not as much and it's not really, I guess, accepted. So, I mean, whereas like New York, you know, I feel like, the gay community, it's very spread out. You know, like, we're in Hoboken, in Brooklyn, in New York, in Queens. Like, there's gays everywhere. But, <laughs> you know, like, in in a specific place like North Carolina, to, you know, to have that pocket in gay community, I think it's great. 
Yeah, because I'm sure it's hard to find, right? If you grow up somewhere where it's not as accepting or you don't have that support, it's like when you know there's like maybe that little corner somewhere, Mm -hmm. you know, you're going to lean towards that corner or you're going to strive to get out of wherever you are and go somewhere that's more gay friendly. But hopefully that in 10, 15 years from now, people won't have to worry about that. That would be wonderful. Absolutely. Right. And I think they'll rely more on uh, virtual means to have that connection. So instead of having to go to the gay bar in Castro, you can <clears throat> join the network and talk with people. And, you know, it's great if they're nearby you, it's great if there aren't. But I think that it, like the need, the gay needs for technology that I sort of described in the beginning are going to continue to evolve and probably get even stronger as, as that acceptance like permeates through our society more. For sure. Yeah, there was a quote you had said in a in an interview. It said, being an invisible minority, we have a special need to meet and interact with each other, um, which I think, you know, I think it's great. And it kind of defines what distinct is and goes back to what we were discussing before about interacting through technology or other bases in the LGBT community. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So what would you say is one of the biggest risks that you've taken? Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) All of them. I've taken all the risks. All of them. (laughs) Um, Well, I've really kind of uh, banked like the beginning of my career on the gay community in a sense. Mm-hmm. That I that building a gay company is not just like cool to do, but that you can actually successfully do it, mm-hmm. and that's been really that's surprisingly difficult because there just aren't a lot of successful benchmarks in the gay community. A lot of companies have started and not really done well, or um, you know there was Fab dot com. Do you guys remember that? Yeah, yeah. Office Fabulous. It was a gay social network. Yeah, right. And, that was we. <laughs> Heard, um, yeah, we heard the one of the co-founders of that speak. Heard speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was very funny because, like, they I met him around the time he had started it, and I was just starting to think about distinct, and we sort of talked, like, oh, we're both sort of in the gay social space, and um, eventually, like, Groupon started becoming popular, and so they started offering like gay daily deals instead of just gay social network. And I remember like the first gay daily deal they had was literally a print of Lady Gaga and a bottle of lube, and that was. Oh! <laughs> And so they started with that and then they were like, oh, this daily deal stuff really works that well. And so they started to get more into commerce and then they said, well, why not do it just gay? Let's broaden it. So they started to get into like straight commerce. And what ended up happening is the, then they became really successful and then they crashed. But in the successful part, you know, the CEO went very publicly and was like, the reason why our company is successful now is because the gay community, the gay market isn't a large market and it's not a, an, a, a market that you can build a successful venture around. And so I really had to kind of like go against that in, um, in order to, to raise money for distinct and to, to make, make it successful. Cause so many people had like blamed that market or the market size on, on other issues, in my opinion, not the actual market. Yeah, issues. I mean, I think it depends like what kind of service you're providing though. I mean, with your app, it's kind of inclusive to like the whole community versus, you know, if you have a business strategy for like specific, the L, the G, the B, the T. Yeah, you are like breaking yourself and your consumer smaller and smaller. But if you are inclusive, it is a large community. Absolutely. Right. 
I'm curious, how was it doing the initial like raising money and the whole sort of beginning of um, making distinct? Like, how was that for you? Oh, I mean, that process, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was really stressful. Obviously, it's incredibly, incredibly difficult. Fundraising is probably the hardest thing entrepreneurs do, and it, it's kind of like all of the worst parts of dating without any of the benefits. Yeah. <laughs> occasionally you get a free lunch out of it. Um, (laughs) But, um, but you know, it's just kind of like constantly putting yourself out there and, and like networking and talking to everyone and you have to always be on. And I actually consider myself to be more of like an outgoing introvert. So those things kind of drain me as well. And so it was really challenging and, you know, just, that's just the process for any entrepreneur if I go into how it was different for me as a gay entrepreneur with a gay business, this was also pretty surprising to me. So I got some initial reactions from straight investors where they were like, well, you know, um, we invest in products that like whoever's leading the deal needs to be really, uh, needs to really understand your product, needs to be a daily user of your product. And, you know, because I'm not gay, then like, I don't really understand your product. And I, you know, you're, you'd be better off finding a gay investor who really knows it and, and knows that. So then I would go to a gay investor and I would sense this immediate like hesitation. I, I met with one who I'm not going to name. And at the end of the, the lunch meeting, he was like, honestly, Michael, you, like, I'm totally impressed. Like, you actually know what you're doing and have, like, insight into this business and market. It's like, I thought that I just, like, had to meet with you because I was gay and you were gay. Oh, you my know? God. Really? <laughs> yeah. And and so it's like this this initial this skepticism that I don't think actually goes away for a lot of people. And in a sense that, like, if, if uh, let's say someone is a gay venture capitalist and they're the only gay in the VC fund, then they're like responsible for this deal. Like their partners are going to rely on their judgment to evaluate it. And so they might judge it more stringently because of that. They might be more nervous to invest in it. It's not as like unimpeachable of a decision as like a wearable technology startup to fund. You know what I mean? So we really kind of got it on both ends. The straight investors were more reluctant and a lot of the gay investors were more reluctant as well. And so that was just, you know, made the whole process, I think, even harder. Oh, man. Well, what's interesting to me is, I mean, I understand the perspective of, you know, being a user of the product. But just because you're gay doesn't mean you can't interact with the product, understand how it works and see like it's a tool. Right. Right. It's not like, I don't know, I think something like this, it's more of a tool and a, a resource than anything. So that's kind of interesting that, you know. I, I never actually thought about sexuality being considered as part of like, you know, raising funds for a business. You know, you have to be more, rela- you know, you may have to go to a gay investor because they relate to you because you're gay versus like a straight person that or a straight investor that may not understand the product because they're not gay. Like, I never even thought that your how you define would affect that. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, yeah. It's really interesting. That's so when do you take a break and what do you do? Yeah, <laughs> yeah like like when you're not doing Amongst a million things. Yeah, yeah, like, you know, what do you do to sort of like rejuvenate? Uh, code? No. <laughs> <laughs> really? Do you code no, to relax? Okay. It's so dorky, but that is like my favorite pastime. Like really? just kind of coming up with different apps to build or working on things. 
but the the I mean I like to I like fitness a lot and hiking so usually if I have like free time I'll I'll go to the gym or I'll go for a walk or go for a hike. I also just like to watch Netflix and relax and kind of turn my brain off for a second. Okay. And so I, I could yeah, imagine. Like I said, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like a pretty introverted lifestyle. It's like gym and Netflix and you know, hanging out with like smaller groups of friends in general punctuated by like intense stress and work and like big networking events, sort of like the comic strip of my life. Yeah. At the moment. So it's a good comic strip. So did you actually, did you, were you involved with like the original coding of this app? Um, yeah. So, okay. So the story there, I don't know if it's like impressive or desperate. But... <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> well, let's call it resourceful. Maybe I haven't heard the story yet, but you're being um, resourceful. <laughs> Sure. So, so I had kind of like, like I come up with the ideas of I wanted to build something when I was going off to business school. And what I initially decided to do is like, I didn't have any technical skills and I, but I was like, well, I can kind of mock it up and design it. And then I can hire like a team in Pakistan or India or whatever to, to build it. And, um, and so I, I, I did that and I kind of like took all of the savings I had and put it into, into that. And that's how I kind of originally started with it. And I, I tried that route for almost a year and just had nothing at the end of it. I mean, it's really, really, really difficult to build a very complex sort of ambiguous project throughout, just remotely more or less with like, you know, outsource people. And so, um, so that was like the first year of business school was just trying to do the outsourcing route and it not working out. And I got to the beginning of second semester in business school and like I had exhausted all of my savings. We still didn't have a product out. And I was like, man, like this really sucks. Like I'm either going to have to just stop doing this or I have to find another way out of it. And so I was putting together my course load and I realized that I could cross register for classes at Harvard College, like computer science classes and that kind of thing. So I enrolled in the computer science class there. And it's really funny because the intro CS course is really, I'll say famous and notorious. It's like the the highest workload of any class at Harvard. And And of course you wanted to register for that one, right? Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Being the masochist that I am. Um, and I had to like get a petition from the dean of the business school or like the director of the undergrad, <laughs> oh the God. business school program. Because he, he's like, you do realize that the expected course load of this one class is half a semester that I'm taking at Harvard Business School. And so I basically added like another half a semester to my stuff. And oh my God. but I was like, no, I want to do it. And it's cool. And I did it. And I got really, really into it. Like I knew nothing when I started that class, I didn't know what a variable was. I didn't know what a Boolean was like nothing. And, um, and by the time I finished it, I was like, you know, coding away. So the, um, that winter break came and I just kind of like went to Florida and sat on the beach and coded for six weeks. And that was how I released the first version of it like a long time ago. That's awesome. (laughs) No, it really, well, one, I could barely do HTML and CSS, let alone uh, learning how to do variables and building an app. And it's just incredible that you obviously had this idea and you, right, like you didn't see it being fulfilled in the way that you needed it to be. So you then took on a course that was like half of another semester onto your semester, which is impressive enough. And then you figured it out and you released the app. That's incredible. 
Yeah. Oh, this is a good like lesson to my earlier self. Take CS as young as I could. <laughs> anyone listening to the gay youth listening in on this, <laughs> take high school CS. Yeah. <laughs> it's really important. It's going to get more important. Awesome. It was, thank you so much for coming on. I think that's all of our questions. Really, no, thank you so much for sharing your story. And if you would like to tell our listeners or even spell out the URL where they could find your app or where they can find you, uh, you can, but we'll also link it in our notes, but if you want to say it too. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you can find it on the app store by searching the word distinct, even just the regular spelling of it, it will come up. And our, our website is distinct, but ending in dot tt so d-i-s-t-i-n-c dot t-t awesome perfect thank you so much michael we appreciate oh, it pleasure. awesome okay it's warm in this in this big storm right now yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're keeping toasty here we just want to thank all of our listeners as well. Thank you again for listening to another episode. If you're liking what you're hearing, again, feel free to uh, rate us in the iTunes store. It's greatly appreciated. Just search Naked and Inside Out and star us. Also, you know, we're on Twitter, Instagram. You can find that all on NakedAndInsideOut.com. And, and Facebook. If, oh, yeah, Facebook. All the social medias. All the um, but it's all linkable from our sites. And, oh, any questions, comments, inquiries, or anything you want to be hearing, let us know. Uh, email us hello at naked and inside out.com. All right. Thanks, thanks. everyone. Yes, Until thanks. next time. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.